1: Stacy Dales, NFL network correspondent.
2: Doing great. Good morning, everybody.
1: Breaking down the Bears beating news around the NFL.
2: And I live in Chicago and I do the score radio. A uh, little plug there. Sure. Every week. Shout out to the host. Th- this has been an emotional freaking roller coaster, you guys.
1: Former WNBA star. And the ball's stolen away. Didn't see. And Perkins gets the clean steal over to Dales. easy Stacy Dales off a beautiful feed from Elaine Powell. Stacy Dales with Mully and Ha on 670 The Score.
3: Welcome back. It's Mully and Ha Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Having a good morning this morning. Gabe Ramirez in for Mully talking about a little bit of everything. Cubs, Sox. Talked about the Kansas City Chiefs Parade tragedy. We talked about the Bulls losing last night. And now we're going to talk about the Super Bowl with Stacy Dales from the NFL Network. Joining us now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, CircaLasVegas.com. Good morning, Stacy. How are you?
2: Good morning, David uh, and Gabe. I'm, I'm actually just really sad because uh, of what transpired yesterday and um, it's hard to make sense of it. You know, you have a an incredible moment at the Super Bowl, and I I, I apologize for my uh, nasal sound because I, I think I'm getting a bit of a cold after the long season. But mm-hmm. um, it just was senseless yesterday, and I it's hard to uh, pick up the pieces after what happened. I
3: well, appreciate that, Stacey. That's honest, and I think it's a way a lot of people feel this morning a little bit mixed because you're just coming off the high of covering a Super Bowl championship by the Chiefs, and then you having yeah. to, you know, very quickly, that, that's it's tragic, and you don't go to a parade expecting to uh, cover a shooting like that, one dead, 22 injured in the shooting. Just curious, as we discussed this this morning, and we just talked to mm-hmm. Alex Gold from 610 Sports in Kansas City, how do you feel this will affect – the future of championship parades if it will at all because we heard from Brittany Mahomes and this will change the way Super Bowls wins feel moving forward. And you do wonder about the next one, whether it's an NHL mm-hmm. team or NBA team in June or July. How do you think this will affect that that tradition?
2: Uh, it's it's hard to imagine, David, that it will because you know, this this has never happened right? Mm -hmm. After a celebration of this magnitude. And um, so I, I try not to like take my mind there, but uh, I don't know. I'm at a loss for words, to be honest, because when you, when you consider the magnitude of this and the celebration and, you know, I lost my brother a, a month ago. And I'm struggling with it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I, it's, it's just hard to put together words when it comes to something like this. And
3: No, I know, Stacey. And, look, condolences for your loss. We know what you were going through and really appreciate your courage yeah. in coming on. And, and I don't want to go there necessarily if that's not where you want to go. I do think it's something that will be part of the discussion. It will be part of the aftermath. What will teams do and what is the responsible thing to do for communities? Because um, it didn't lead to a tragedy, but there was a shooting after the Nuggets celebration last June in Denver. And there will be concerns by local officials and liabilities that they have to consider. And just the, just the exposure that people will, will feel. So yes, this is going to be difficult to process and deal with and, and Kansas city will do its best because it's a proud community. And it hasn't happened before to this degree, so we wish them well. Let's talk football. So you covered the 49ers, and now we have now we have the reality that Kyle Shanahan wears the label <laughs> of being the best coach to never win a Super Bowl. He's fired yeah. his defensive coordinator. Steve Wilkes is a scapegoat. His fault, I guess. What was what was your surprise level at number one, Steve Wilkes getting fired, and number two, Kyle Shanahan... Taking the ball in overtime.
2: Yeah, I wasn't surprised. Actually, uh, I love Steve Wilkes, but um, when they moved him from David, the uh, basically up top to down below, um, so they had a transition mid season. Basically, uh, you know, putting him on the field with the players like it was a total scheme disaster. Basically, uh, so I, like I wasn't shocked by that. I was more shocked by the fact that um, for the 49ers, they didn't win. Like, you know, you're finally back. And I spent the entire week with them. Like I was incredibly impressed with their energy, their confidence. Like I I really firmly believed they were going to win going into that game. But like, you can't pick against Patrick Mahomes. Like it's, He's, he's the Michael Jordan of this day and age, you know? And I really felt like between he and Kelsey, the storyline was so glamorous that the 49ers literally could not overcome it. And I just felt going into the game, I would say like 15 minutes before, the, before kickoff, the 49ers weren't going to win. Just because of the glamour of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and and it's actually what happened, shocking.
4: And that's the thing I was saying. It leading up to the Super Bowl, just you know, you learn from Tom Brady. It's just you shouldn't bet against greatness. I guess the big question for me following the Super Bowl, Stacy, is: Is this going to be a situation where, like Tom Brady, where then next year comes and everyone doubts the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> again, and then they just prove everyone wrong?
2: I, I, Gabe, I completely agree with you. Like, I, it's, you cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes. Like, you just can't. I, the irony is, like, I'm in Vegas, right? And we don't bet. We don't, like, gamble in the NFL. Like, we're not allowed to. I was not allowed to play a slot machine. But, like, you cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes. So, next year, if they're in it, you have to pick the Chiefs. Like, it's inevitable. It's, it's, there, to me, like, when you're around Patrick Mahomes, like, there's an aura. And I would say Andy Reid as well. Like, there's an aura about them. It's like Phil Jackson and, and you know, Michael Jordan. Like, that's, that's to me what the Kansas City Chiefs are now. So, like, what can teams
4: like the ba- like the Bears, right? They, they, you know, when you say things like, and we all agree, right? Like, don't bet against Patrick Mahomes; he is going to be there. So, what can teams <laughs> like the Bears or like any other team in the AFC do to try to, you know, combat what is happening right now in Kansas City?
2: Well, I mean, like, so when I look at the Bears, Ryan Poles, right? He was part of drafting Patrick Mahomes, so I, I really do feel like the Bears are going to draft a quarterback and. The most interesting part of I would say Ryan Poles right now is like what was that process like when he fell in love with Patrick Mahomes, with Brett Beach and the entire organization in Kansas City? Because they had basically they had fallen in love with Patrick Mahomes back into his high school days. So I am very curious to know which quarterback the Bears have fallen in love with like who has Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham. Who have they targeted? You know, uh, going into this draft process, I I'll be at the combine in a week and a half, and it's going to be really, I, I like fascinating to see which quarterback they have really. Is it is it Caleb Williams? Like I don't know how you guys think, but I mean. Who have they sat down with and fallen in love with for not just the last year, but, like, really the last five years? Because that's what, that's what these evaluators do. They go back, they go into, you know, the history books with these guys, and I'm just really curious to know which quarterback it is.
3: I think Caleb Williams had him at hello. <laughs> I think he's gonna have him at hello, Stacey, because right? it's easy to fall in love with that kind of accuracy, that kind of ingenuity, that kind of improvisational skills. Look, I understand they might find out that, you know, he once insulted uh his prom day, or maybe he was <laughs> this rude and boy, he that that fingernail polished color was a bad choice fashion wise. Right? But come on. The guy the kid can play. I think that's gonna be the conclusion. And I think it's going to be an overwhelming conclusion that he is the guy and they are going to say, we fell in love with him the first time we saw him on tape.
2: Right. Yeah, but, like, Patrick Mahomes is so gifted. Who would have thought that way back when mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes was the target? Right? John Dorsey? Like, John Dorsey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 10th overall pick, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of alarming, like, when you think about how a quarterback can fall like that. Mitch Trubisky went before him and the evaluators in Kansas city nailed it. So like, what is happening in Chicago? Is it Jaden Daniels? Is it Drake May? Is it Caleb Williams? I mean, I like in my preparation for the combine, David and Gabe, like I, I literally, I put together probably 75 cards on every, all the top players and I kind of marry it with, Our our guy, um, Daniel Jeremiah, who's incredible, like he's a great evaluator. And I marry it with that. And like, I am wondering now, there's so many quarterbacks at the top of the list. (laughs) Like, which one do the Bears like? Because when when I've talked to Bears officials this past season, they have met with every single one of them. And they have spent time with every single one of them. And they are doing their due diligence, and rightfully so. And like I, the 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 craziest thing to me is the fact that people think the Bears are not drafting a quarterback. Like that that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. There's no debate, right? There's no. Debate. I don't believe there is. Like I I mean I I Justin Fields is awesome, but like he has ten wins in three years.
4: Yeah. I mean, and that's that's why so, well, that's why what you say, Stacey, is is interesting, right? Because it it that that is the mystery. What are the Bears gonna fall in love with? Is it pocket presence and quick release? Is it arm right? angles and and incredible throws? But in your opinion, what should the Bears be falling in love with?
2: Um, in my opinion, it's winning. <laughs> it's it's um, taking care of the football, like simple things, the things that like. Like Patrick Mahomes, when you look at his playoff run, he didn't turn the ball over one time. Like he had zero interceptions. In fact, like this past season, he had the most interceptions in his career during the regular season, but he didn't do it in the playoffs. Like it's simple things like that, like the ability to possess the football in playoff football. I mean, You know, the things that, like, throwing into tight windows, maturity at the position, being able to process, like, every single week, being able to process what the defense does and capitalizing on it. Like, those are things that, when I look at quarterbacks now, like, I'm I'm watching all these videos, YouTubing all the quarterbacks. I look at their presence. I look at how they speak. My favorite quarterback coming out last year was – there were two, actually, Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud. Their presence was so profound when I listened to them. And so I'm looking at, when I go into the combine, I'm looking at who's real, who is sincere, what genuine qualities do these guys possess? Because I think, like, when you look at somebody like Patrick Mahomes, like, obviously he's got it, but it's there, there's an uncanny presence about them that speaks to you. And so I think like Ryan Poles in his meetings, like he's sitting down with these players and he's looking at them and listening to them. And I think he's probably looking for similar things.
3: Stacy, speaking of greatness need to ask you about this, given your background, people know you as an NFL network reporter. Maybe they forget that you were quite an accomplished basketball player in the Oklahoma hall of fame. Play for the Chicago Sky. Caitlin Clark is about to make history tonight. She is Mm -hmm. eight points shy of breaking the all-time NCAA record. Home game for Iowa against Michigan. It's on the Peacock Network because she is instant ratings. She is the biggest attraction in college sports. How do you put into perspective what she has accomplished and what do you think of her game?
2: I think she's incredible. I will give a shout out to my Sooners, of beating Baylor uh, last (laughs) night. So (laughs) you teed me up. Of course.
3: Of course. Thanks for channeling me there, David. You're welcome.
2: Um, Caitlin Clark is incredible. Um, I I was really disappointed with Cheryl Swoops, actually, um, a couple weeks ago when all that came out. Like, she's not deserving of all the records she's nailed and this and that. Like... You know, when Cheryl Swoops was a baller back in, like, the early 90s, I was lured to the Big 12 because Texas Tech, Marcia Sharp, Cheryl Swoops, like, they had won a national championship. I don't know if it was 93, but um, I was like, I got to go play in that conference. Now you're seeing players want to go play in the Big 10, right? I mean, Iowa – Um, Coach Bluter, like, Coach Bluter is amazing. And she gets a player like Caitlin Clark, and now she's known. So now more players are going to go to that conference. More players want to play, want to go to a team that was nothing at a, a certain point. So, like, to me, when I think about, like, Caitlin Clark, I think of, like, putting Iowa on the map and, Now players want to go play there, and that changes the trajectory, if you will, of how women's basketball players coming up in the system want to go play at different places. That's how you get parity. So, for me, that's like that's the impact that Caitlin Clark has.
4: Stacey, do you think a lot of people talking that you know she could potentially come back next year, uh, just because you know NIL money make more than she would in the WNBA? Uh, do you think she'll just go ahead and start a professional career? you think she'll come back for one more.
2: Oh yeah. I think she's going to the WNBA. And in fact, like I think that um, it's, it's silly that WNBA players can't go um, to the WNBA. Uh, excuse me. College players can't go to the WNBA when they want to. Right. Like men's right. players can, women's players can't like it's, it's stupid, honestly. So I, I, I get the NIL thing. like, Trust me, back when I played, <laughs> if I could have made some a little bit of cash, like I, I was, uh, you know, I went to Oklahoma when I was 17, and I had no money, and I never asked my parents for a dime, and our per diem was not significant. So I'll just say that.
3: And the Indiana Fever already counting on her season tickets. <laughs> so she's going to Indy, baby. She's going to be a member of the Indiana Fever, first overall pick.
2: Well, you know what? I we're not far. I'll go watch her play cuz she's that good. Me
3: too. I'm all
2: over that. Stacy, you are
3: the best. Thank you so much. Get your rest. You certainly have earned it. We always appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Start boning up for the combine because it'll be here before you know it. <laughs> I love you guys. Appreciate Stacy. Stacy Dales from the NFL Network, quite an accomplished women's basketball player. Played in the Olympics. Yeah, I saw her play the Olympics game. The, think the, about
4: that. Oklahoma put, has a nice little, you know, life-size picture of her out yes. there and everything. I mean, you forget. By you the forget. way,
3: Dustin informs us, and this is good information. We talk about Caitlin Clark tonight, Iowa, Michigan on the Peacock Network. She's going to make history. She, all she needs is eight points. That's like the first quarter, right? Cut three three pointers. So cheapest ticket for Michigan? Oh, let me Iowa. guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. All right.
4: Cheapest? How, how? I'm trying to think how many people? How many people fit in the stadium? Probably like ten. So I'm going to say. 800 bucks. Oh man, you're that's overshooting it.
3: It's the game is
1: in Michigan, by the way. It's not at Iowa. It's oh, that okay. that makes a difference.
3: It that does. That's why that's why I overshot it. I thought you said Iowa. Wait a second. No, 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 no. No, I think the game's at Iowa. I think the game is at Iowa. Uh, Dustin. Re, re,
1: number 4 Iowa at Michigan tonight.
3: <laughs> Iowa hosts Michigan. I'm looking at it in an mlive.com. Michigan hosts Iowa. At at Iowa. Michigan hosts Iowa. I'm sorry, Iowa hosts hosts Michigan. Now we're really confused. No, 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 I got it. I got it it right It's at Iowa. (laughs) It's at Iowa. Yeah, I got it. It's at Iowa. It's a home game. Well,
5: then it should be $500 to get in.
3: (laughs) It's a home game. They've all seen it right now. It's a lot of corn. I mean, that's a... Okay, no, I'm going to get back to the facts because I want to stick with the facts here. Ticketmaster, 285. StubHub, 251. Vivid Seats, 237. Not bad. SeatGeek, 217. The average price for a ticket at the University of Iowa tonight, when Caitlin Clark makes history, the average price, $400. That's low. Think about that's what low. you're saying here. $400 for a college women's basketball game? They that's to, a
4: ton of money. They need to husk some more corn
3: and get some more money. <laughs> yeah, <that's> a, <laughs> hey, Only I can make corn jokes about Midwestern states. Oh, my bad. Okay? My bad. My you bad. can't do that. <laughs> city guy my bad i live in a no you park have now. never detasseled corn in your life have you no okay no i can tell you stories detasseled no no I haven't. see you didn't even you're gonna look it up
4: no, if it's not in a cup and a sh- short mexican up. man ain't putting some cheese and some <laughs> sour cream on i ain't with it
3: he's Gabriel ramirez he's in for mully. mully and hall we'll wrap it up when we come back chicago sports radio 670
4: hey mel bry here gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty
3: Daddy.
2: Why not us, right?
3: Welcome back, Chicago Sports Radio 67. The score: Molly and Haw, Gabe in for Molly today. Thank you, Pedro Gaffal, for giving us a little bit of a chuckle. Why not us? Well, there are multiple reasons why it won't be them. <laughs> Come on, but we don't need it's to a elaborate. It's rhetorical. It's, a rhetorical. it's you, not like a. You don't have to be Picota to be uh, confident that the White Sox are not going to play in the postseason this year. I mean okay you you got a little Pedro in you you did wear the socks jersey or, coat. or coat. coat I'm sorry you got your jerseys for tomorrow
4: <laughs> I gotta be honest I almost pulled out the jersey which one would you wear, jersey. If you was, wear tomorrow was, south side I'm gonna nah, tomorrow I'm going to wear the all white with black black pinstripes sweet yeah
3: who's on the back Ozzy
4: nope nobody I got it for I, I okay. did something with Lollapalooza for with the white socks and they gave me a jersey
3: you got so many bosses I do. You have so wife, many gigs. My wife's at the top You are of everywhere.
4: List. I was just going to say. Got to make money, guys.
3: I love it. You are a hustler.
4: I, <laughs> although you are such a hustler, I can't believe that you never detasseled corn. Dude, detasseling corn is like, when I hear that, first of all. Yeah. Did, did you know what I was talking about? No. Detasseling? No. Detangling? Sure. I love that we
3: got a couple texts on the matter. I love that we got from 262. Detasseling corn was my first job at 13. Is shucking corn a bad word? Um, I don't really. Okay. Shove corn is what you do before you eat it. Detasseling corn is what you do in the fields to make sure that the crops grow properly.
4: Oh, so wait, detasseling has nothing to do with, like, taking the the husk off the corn? No. <laughs> I, you're, okay, you're going it through,
3: to you're detasseling the corn. Every morning, I, I had the job at 13, just like our texter, Hugh Seed Farm in Hampshire. Thanks for listening. I grew up in a small town. I'll make it quick, because I think, Some people have heard this story before. Worked at 13. You tasseled corn. You meet at 5 o'clock in the morning. You go out to the farm uh, that you're going to be working that day. You wear a hefty bag. (laughs) You put it over your body. Sounds horrible. Because it's going to be wet in the cornfield. You get in the machine. You stand there. You go down the rows of corn. And you just start to corn, Gabe. Just like one after another. See on the Twitch stream. And it's just you go down one row. And then you go down the next. And then you go down another row.
4: And then you go down the next. And then you have to go to school? No, it's July. Oh, summer job. Summer job. Well, I'm thinking like Hicktown, like, you know, small, you know. Did you just call my hometown a Hicktown? No, no, no. I'm saying I'm thinking in my head like something like (laughs) that. I think you just did. And I'm thinking about like- He said hick. I think he just said hick (laughs) town. And I'm thinking like a young David Hall before school- You are welcome in North Indiana. Wearing overalls and like shredded jeans at the bottom, uh, detangling, detasseling corn.
3: I never owned a pair of overalls past the age of seven.
4: Wearing a garbage bag.
3: I did wear a garbage bag.
4: Hey, Ma, I'll be back. Will you have my porridge ready? I bet you Gabe
1: owned a pair of overalls that were shorts that he wore one overall up and one overall down. I did, because I was cool then. (laughs)
4: And I'm it was a cool. jumper. Or did you wear no, a jumper I, I listened to Crisscross and I watched and I wore those those things. That's what that's what, I, that's what you did. Well, when you were listening to Crisscross
3: and dressing for all your, you know, your audience that you had probably after the age of 12. You probably had an, always had an audience, always trying to impress the the, the ladies. <clears throat> I was in a cornfield chucking the tasseling corn. With a hefty bag Going and school. a hat backward and my sunglasses, so I didn't give, and I had my farmer's tan. And walking eight miles to school? With I did a lunch not walk pan. eight miles to school. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating this. Detassling corn was a great way to make money when you're a teenager. So I had money to spend on the sporting news subscription that I love, baseball cards that I still have. So yeah, that was my summer job. Okay, Explain why you wear the garbage bag because the corn leaves will cut you. That too. Yes, 702, I'm speaking to my people. Thank you. <laughs> Look at these. Everyone's got a little little uh, experience there. 563, you had a machine, David? I had to walk. You were lucky. I walked too. The machine was for you had to walk through the rows first. Then you got to a certain level of expertise, detasseling, and then you were allowed to go into the machine because it went faster, mm.
4: more efficient for the farmers. Little 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 bump and pay because you got to. Run little the bump and pay
3: maybe. <laughs> Listen, when you are 13 years old and you live in a small town, you'll do a lot of things for a little spending money in the summer. Hey, did you wear key overalls, David? Ha ha! I did not wear overalls. I don't own overalls. <laughs> That's Gabe. See, you got people now picturing
4: me in overalls. <laughs> Everybody is flagging anthem because send you a nice pair. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they do make overalls. Sure. Now I would wear. I will wear flag
3: and anthem overalls if they make them and send yeah. them to me. I will definitely wear them proudly and I will wear them on the Twitch stream. Yeah, you and Molly take a picture together. I didn't, I'm uh, not speaking for
4: Molly. <laughs> you guys, that'll be the next shoot. Thermal thermal overalls from flag and anthem by, uh, brought are, to you by Molly and all. We are getting all kinds of feedback on the detasseling and stuff. I didn't, again, I, I think about like, you know, because me as a kid growing up in the city, like my. My summer jobs were, you know, sweeping the corner store or like okay. passing out flyers downtown for like a jewelry store. You know, that's that's what I did. That's good work. Yeah, that's, that's honest. That's honest work. Yeah, that's you gotta, hard work. Gotta have those things. You gotta have those things. I, I don't know how much you. I don't know if you'd have been able to pay me enough to go into a field of corn at like five in the morning. It was oh, dark. there's something peaceful about it, Gabe. There's something very serene about being. But it's not like you were high smoking weed. Like that's what, if you were high and in the field and doing that at five. if yeah, I was thirteen, yeah. that's man. What I'm saying though, I don't know what you were doing at thirteen. No, no but I definitely I wasn't, wasn't doing that. But I'm saying like that's a, that's where I can understand that being peaceful. But like as a young thirteen year old, I want to go play. You see, that was the thing. You just did what you had to do, mm. and
3: it was a part of the thing. I you know we worked from five until noon, right? So you worked till noon. Because I had stuff to do or people had to. then you go home, you have lunch, you're a teenager, you got all kinds of energy. Then you go to, say, baseball practice. I was gonna say summer. you're a
4: college athlete, you have to have be playing sports. Then the summer, you go huh? to you have dinner and you
3: go to football practice. Hmm. You play three sports in a small town. Yeah. Definitely. You do it all in the summer. But you start the day with a hefty bag over your body. <laughs> I love it. Tasseling corn. I forget what the rate was. Farmer Hall. That's what they're calling on the text line. Farmer Hall. I, did, I didn't I did grow up at a farm. I like
0: it. Now there like is a, it.
3: There, <laughs> right now, my mom still lives in North Jetson, Indiana. And across the street from her, when she gets the mail, there's a giant cornfield. So mm-hmm. when I go home to see her, yes, there is definitely I'm surrounded. You
4: grab a couple just to go have. You know,
3: no, I don't. Not for old no time's t- sake.
5: No. <laughs> did no. it make you hate corn?
3: Absolutely not. I love popcorn. I love corn on the cob. I would go home. From a day of detasseling corn because it's it's seed corn, not it's feed corn. You don't eat it, so it's it's different. I'd never minded. Cor- I, I always loved corn on the cob. Who doesn't love corn on the cob? Corn pudding, Corn bread. baling hay. Three hundred nine. That's a farm guy. Yes, I baled hay too. I weeded mint. You know I weeded mint. Dude,
4: Farmer Ha is yeah, favorite. You have
3: taken me down the tangent.
4: People talking about Vegas, Ha? Huh? Nah. You want to hang out with Farmer Hall. Really okay. really get crazy. Farmer Hall, we did mint because mint
3: in Stark County was the mint capital of America. Per capita, really? the largest producer of mint. You know, mint candies, sure. mint oil, mojitos. all kinds. Of, yes, mojitos. So, mint juleps. Mint juleps. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to grow somewhere. Where do you think that mint comes from? The ground. So you grow it in places like Stark County, Indiana, home sweet home. But those fields have weeds in the mint, so they need to have people who go out into those fields back in the day and chop out the weeds to get the so the mint will grow. That was me. So you you graduate from being a detassler to maybe going to work in a farm and weeding mint and bean fields.
4: That's the uh, you
3: didn't know that, did you?
4: That's the corporate ladder. I'm trying to avoid (laughs) that. I
3: gotta be honest with you. I will never be unemployed. Yeah, that's for sure. My my job, my resume from the time I was 13 years old to probably 19 years old, I can do it all. I was a spot welder. Oh, my God. I was a shrink wrapper. I did it all. You had to. Come on, Gabe. I, I, I like you, right. man.
4: That's why you're as well-rounded as you are now. <laughs> exactly.
3: Now. That's exactly why. What were we talking about? Baseball. Oh, yeah, good old Baseball. <laughs> Pedro Grifo talked yesterday. Craig Council spoke yesterday. What are we going to get today from the Cubs? You you kind of chided me. Let's 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 talk about the Cody Bellinger situation. You think that any confidence that the Cubs will still sign Cody Bellinger is misguided, misplaced?
4: I think David that even with the signing of Bellinger, you could argue that this year's team isn't as good as last year's. Even with Bellinger, even if they resign him at the last minute, because your argument, your counter argument to that is the manager will make them better, and I think that the fan base should want the team to be better for Council to then you know take to a totally different level. I think that's what they should be wanting. And I so saw the Bellinger thing; eh, it could be inevitable, you know. But I still, I still think I'd be concerned as a Cubs fan. I think what I said when they hired
3: Craig Council was that we know that he can do more with less because that's the way they wanted Milwaukee now it's going to be fun to see him do more with more and now we're still waiting for the more part because right now let's let's be honest i think when you talk about the the cubs confidence in their younger players their minor league system which i think objectively major league baseball believes the cubs have one of the best farm systems in the game so right now you could see what craig council has as we speak similar situation that he had in milwaukee Respected farm system, promising prospects, major league holes on the roster, but a faith that the manager is going to find a way to make that team competitive. Now, that's the Milwaukee version of council. What you expected the Cubs version of counsel to be was not to have those holes of the major league roster to supplement the highly priced and paid talent with minor league prospects that have developed and watch them
4: win. I look at last year's offseason and the additions that the Cubs made. And if you would have told me then that, hey, next offseason, there's going to be minimal moves, I would be disappointed. Because the assumption for me last year was that they were now snowballing into being a team that can compete for a World Series year in and year out. Mm -hmm. And a snowball, by definition, as it's going downhill and growing steam and getting bigger, is adding to it. And the addition of Craig Consul is great. It's a nice little piece that you've slapped onto the side of that snowball, but you need that whole thing to roll. And I think Craig Consul would like a, little bit more, a couple more pieces as well.
3: I think he probably would. He's never going to say that. I think that going into this offseason, and you go way back to the day after the last Cub game, after you were kind of regrouping as a Cub fan because of the way they choked down the stretch, you were still kind of buoyed by the hope that maybe, and it was a pipe dream, Otani is there. Now, you didn't get Otani, but you did hire Craig Council. To a lot of people, that was like, all right, you can still have a good offseason. I was on record as saying this can still be a good season for the Cubs even though you don't get Otani. I'm still waiting for the, that to be true. Right now, it's not been a good season. I think that you can look at Hector Neris and say that, yeah, that's a very good addition to the bullpen. But I don't know if it's enough. And I don't think that your lineup is complete, so I'm still anxious that they uh, you have a degree of anxiety about what they don't have. But I'm still looking at the calendar and not worried or panicked yet.
4: <laughs> that is the optimistic Cubs fan right there, uh, saying something like that. I, I I I mean, I get it. There's still time, and then you can certainly you know live there. I think that uh, you know the Cubs themselves, with the additions that they've made, I, I think yeah, I think a lot of people wanted. Because if you look at the, the youth that they have, David, who do you or what like what kind of players is that then turning into? If we're looking at the holes of the Chicago Cubs and saying, but they have young guys. They tried that last year, tried injecting those guys into the lineup, the Jared Youngs, the Matt Murphases, the Pete Armstrongs, to try to get something going. So then who do those young people then become? Is it a starting pitcher? Is it another position player? Because that's what you really have to ask yourself. You can't just go in and say, well, we got a really great, you know, farm system. Okay, well, what do you want that to turn into? That's a really good
3: point, and I think uh, will, what will happen is if they swing and miss on Cody Bellinger, then they'll go into this off season trying to keep things together, stay afloat, and be competitive while getting closer to the trade deadline when they can package some of those prospects for a difference-making bat. Yeah. And if they can do that, that's the value of having a manager you trust to win games you shouldn't and who's very good in one-run games at, you know, are prevalent all over Major League Baseball. And then you're still in a position to go out and be competitive for the most desired hitter on the market. I don't know who that is. I don't know if that'll happen. And that is definitely plan B or C or D. Or maybe Matt Shaw, the third baseman that everyone's talking about, is starts out, you know, hitting 400 at every level, and you got to bring him up in July. He can join Cade Horton on the on the commute from Iowa. And then all of a sudden you've got the young Cubs. You're laughing at me. I am. Okay, that's a little bit carried away. But I do think your idea of packaging prospects for a major league hitter is something that would be a viable option if they don't get Belly.
4: It. it, it I mean, they have no other choice. They have too much talent, too many people blocking the path to the bigs. So why not package those people to bring someone that can help you in the present? It's a good point.
3: Keep an eye on the Cody Bellinger watch, and we'll hear more from the Cubs and the White Sox in Arizona as spring training continues the second day of pitchers and catchers being on hand. And right now, you can be the sixth caller to the Scores Contest Line, 312-540-0670, and you can win a pair of tickets to see, you got to tell me if this is a good concert, Gabe, Santana with Counting Crows. Are you kidding me? That's an amazing concert. It's a great concert, isn't it? Even I know that. Saturday, June 29th, Credit Union 1 Amphitheater, Tinley Park. Great place to watch a concert. Tickets at LiveNation.com. They're on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. Santana with Counting Crows. Be the sixth caller to the Scorch Contest Line, 312-540-0670. Transition with Dan and Lawrence when we come back. Gabe Ramirez in for Mully. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports
1: Radio, 670 to the score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas